You're listening to Cross Life, the college ministry of Grace Bible Church in Bozeman, Montana. Our current series is Imago Day, a study of how the character of God impacts your daily life. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us, you and me, love one another. For love is of God. Love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now listen, he who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved him, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the appeasement, the payment for our sin. Beloved, if we have been so loved we also ought to love one another. That's 1 John 4, 7 through 11. We're gonna be talking this evening about God's nature, his characteristic of love. John opens up, John, by the way, is called the apostle of love, and it was not because he was a soft man, by no means, but he knew love. He walked with love. I'll explain that more in a second. John has this passage here, and at the the bookends of it, the front and at the end, there's a challenge to Christians to love one another, it starts out with. And then the end is to, we also should love one another. Why do you think, John, it makes this point? I think there's two reasons. One, is because we, well, a lot of a characteristic of a Christian is love. You call yourself a Christian, John says, and you don't love, you don't know God, for God is love. There, there's a, a parallel there that we're gonna learn this evening. And also, by nature, you don't know how to love. You think you know how to love and you experience a certain kinds and certain types of love, but the kind of love that God wants you to love one another, and the kind of love that God wants you to love him, by nature you don't know. You are totally blind to it. You know a version of it, but to know it completely and wholly and perfectly, you can only know through demonstration, through revelation and by association that Jesus Christ has shown this to you. Um, This word love, uh, I think one of the the problems that we don't understand and know know what it means when God God says that he is love or we're to love one another is that we have convoluted the word love. We have twisted it, we have polluted it with our own agendas and our own thoughts and our heart has clouded the word love. I wrote down a whole bunch of things that I love just to give you a demonstration. I love ice cream. I love the mountains. 
I love my wife. I love my kids. I love hunting. I love the smell of guitar lacquer. I love to sniff my Bible. It's made of leather. I love that smell. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bible sniffer. <laughs> when I had a dog, I loved my dog. And a lot of people think that their dog loves them, but I don't think so. Music is an expression of love, we say. Love Story by Taylor Swift, right? <laughs> You've Lost That Love and Feeling by The Righteous Brothers are my favorite. Crazy in Love by Beyonce. I'm just kidding. I've never heard it. I just looked it into the top 10 love songs. I've heard of marriages and relationships and friendships dissolving because love changed. Love is a feeling. Love can grow, can shrink, can catch you by surprise. Love at first sight. Love is thicker than water. Blood, I mean blood is... That's blood, it's not love. Love is composed of sing, a single soul inhabiting two bodies, said Aristotle. For my part, I prefer my heart to be broken. It is so lovely, a dawn kaleidoscope within the crack, said D.H. Lawrence. What does that even mean? Love is not an affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained, said C.S. Lewis. And then the apostle of love, John, said, God is love. All of these sentences revolve around that four-letter word, love. And in our language, we are so limited. We say we love this and we love that. And when God says that you are to love him with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your might, you think you know what he's talking about. When he tells me to love my wife, I think I know what he's talking about. I was so wrong. I actually thought that when I first met Jen and we got married, that I was going to be like uh, King Cool, lover. I thought I knew what it meant to love somebody. I didn't. I had to learn how to love my wife. How do you learn how to do that? That's why John opens and closes this with, with this section, because you need to learn this, husbands and wives and, and friends and fathers and mothers. You need to learn, students, how to love. The, um, the Greek understanding of love is helpful. It divides the words, the, the word love, up into at least three different, four different categories. I'm going to talk about three, but only two of them are mentioned in the Bible. The first one is eros, which is the strong, romantic, passionate love. And the Greeks had taken this word where we get the word erotic, and they had taken that word and they had twisted it and they had debased it so much that it had become a swear word. That is why the word is not even used in the scriptures. It would not be used. However, just because man has done something doesn't mean that God intended something for good and for pleasure. Song of Solomon, that eros. It's also depicted other places in scripture. This is a beautiful thing, but man has distorted it. And even this is not the love that I'm talking about. The next word, philos, philos, 
where we get the word, um, which means a, a strong brotherly affection. Matt, that is Phylos right there. It is good to see you. <laughs> that, that warmth that you feel for someone when you see them, you're like, oh man, there's my buddy. Love of country, Phylos, the, the proud to be part of this. The love of a subject, the love of wisdom, philosophy, even that is not the love that God is talking about, although philos is, is much in scripture. And even God, philos to his son, he even, even Jesus and God, they have a strong, warm affection for one another, but that's not what we're talking about this evening. We're talking about a different kind of love. In 1 John 4, the end of it, it says, for love is of God. That is an interesting, interesting sentence. If you can imagine you had the opportunity to take your hand and you could reach into God and you'd pull out something, what do you think it would look like? Just imagine that for a second. If I could, and I'm, 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 this is kind of how I was studying this sentence, how I pictured it. You see, agape love, literally, it is the, the out of God love. Ek, out of God love. It's the love that, that is in God and it comes out. If you could reach in and pull out, that's what you would find. You would find agape love which is very different. And even man, to a certain level, experiences agape love. Agape love is not based on a feeling. It is based on principle, thought, intention. This is the type of love that moves people into action. And it looks out for the greatest good and the well-being of the other person, no matter the personal cost. This is the kind of love that wants the highest good for the other person. John 15, 13 gives an example of this. It says, um, greater love has no man than this. Do you know this? Then he lays down his life for his friend. You're familiar with this verse. You're familiar with even this type of love. Soldiers experience this kind of love where they will jump on the landmine to save their buddy. That's, that's, a, that's a type of agape. A husband has that feeling for his wife where he would, do, he would lay his life down for his wife and his children. But even these are different than the agape love that God demonstrates. I wanna read something from Romans to you. Romans five, seven, and eight. It says, um, just listen. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man, someone even might dare to die. Verse eight, but, but God demonstrates his own love. But God demonstrate his own love. But there's a difference. God demonstrate the kind of love that comes from out of him, listen to this, towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a very 
different kind of love, or different type of agape love. This is, imagine this, imagine if we were in war and you looked over and you saw a hand grenade was thrown at the enemy, at the enemy's feet and you jumped on the landmine to save that person's soul. Nobody does that. God does. That's the kind of love, the agape out of God love that he shows towards us even while we were sinners and enemies, God jumps on the landmine so we don't blow up. That's a different kind of love now. That's not something that you know by nature. Nobody does that by nature. Maybe for your buddy, maybe for a righteous person, scarcely for a good person, but not God. That's not his type of love. This is the kind of love that flows out of God. Secondly, this is the kind of person that is born out of God. John says, he who loves is begotten of God. It's the same word, out of ek out of God, the love comes, if you could reach in, you would pull out that kind of love, and if you could reach in, you'd pull out that kind of person too. They, it's the same, they're made of the same stuff. And as a consequence, he knows God. Now the next verse says, he who doesn't love doesn't know God. For God is love. That, that's a probing question. And that's why John is about to lay out these next few verses because he wants you to see what's inside of him so that you can love like that. And as a consequence, be born of him and as a consequence, know him. That's good. Let's keep reading here. 1 John 4, 8, famous verse, for God is love. The verb there is infinitive. What can we learn about this type of love? The love that comes out of God is eternal. It doesn't come and go. It does, the quality of it, it doesn't grow weak, doesn't change, it's steady. It's not a heart love, it's a head love. The heart goes like this. The head goes like this. He, is in, he has his intentions set. His mind is set on love. This is, this is a different kind of love. We love out of here. God's loving straight from here and it impacts him here too. Make no doubt of it. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now abide faith, hope, and love. Infinitive, infinitive, infinitive. These three, but the greatest of these is love. First John 4, 9. Let's learn about this kind of love. Don't you want to know how God loves? Don't you want to love like God loves? I, man, I do. Like, I don't want to be... By nature, you know what we are? We are selfish lovers. You hate to admit that, but you are. We love other people because we enjoy the love that they give us. We give gifts to people because we enjoy giving them a gift. We seek after a spouse or somebody to, to show affection to. It has a lot to do with the, be, 
what we want. That's not, that's not what God's going to teach here. God says, in this, the love of God is manifested. That's a good word. It means it's made known. It's put on display. It's seen. Okay, so for a second here, I reached, we reached into God and we pulled out agape love. What do you think it looks like? First John says, in this, the love of God is seen. Oh, what is it? What does it look like? How do you see love? Well, it was, seen, it was made known to you that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. You want to know what God's love looks like? It looks like Christ Jesus. That is love in a man suit. Remember first uh, Hebrews 1, Jesus Christ is the radiance of the Father. Jesus is the love that comes from the Father. Manifest towards you. You don't know what love looks like? Study Jesus. You don't know how to love? Study Jesus. You're going to find out some amazing things of how he has loved you. There's four implications from this verse. First, God sent. This is God's initiative. He did it. It was his agenda, his motivation. It was his mission. He made up his mind to do this. God sent his only begotten son. Man, that's good news. You know why? Because God is motivated not to send you the second best. See, God's love, it sends you the most best, most valuable, most personal, most costly. Are you learning about love? You see, God's love sends you its best, the highest cost towards you. Thirdly, that we might live. Well, this implies my position. You see, the... It implies that I needed rescuing. I was not the strong one in the relationship. I I needed help. Fourthly, fourth, through him. God sent his only begotten son that we might live through him. What does this imply? It's that God made a personal sacrifice that rescued me, and what does he get? He gets all the glory Our life is lived through him for his glory. Now, why did God ever do this? And your your flesh will say, man, I must have been really special. If God loved me that much, I must have been really beautiful, right? Really attractive. If God would have paid the highest price for me, who must I be? And if you think that, you still don't get God's love. I'm going to tell you a, um, a passionate love story. The women are like, ooh. Men are like, oh, I was hoping for an adventure. Me and my wife, when we watch movies, like Jen's always like, let's watch a good relationship movie. And I'm like, what about a good like uh, adventure movie? Action. God has a very 
passionate love story that he has been telling through scripture and he, he narrowed it down to one man's life. And I'd like to tell you that story. It's found in Hosea because in this story, God's love is made known. This, you, you think Romeo and Juliet, whew, that's no love story. This is a good story. Hosea chapter one is where we're gonna start. And you can follow along. I'm gonna kind of ad-lib this story. The, the message of this book, and I tell you, what was going on during these times, these were, these were fairly good times. This wasn't the worst king Israel ever had when Hosea was around. But even so, they were far from the Lord. The, the big message of Hosea is Israel, Israel. This is who you are. And there will be consequences for how you have lived. Do not be fooled, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. But, and through this, God will reveal his love and his love towards you. Hosea chapter one starts out and it says, and the word of the Lord came to Hosea and he tells Hosea who to marry. Wouldn't you like that, Joel? If, if God was to say, Joel, I got a wife all picked out for you. And, I mean, a lot of us are like, they say, oh man, I just wish I knew, Andy. I just wish the Lord would tell me, is she the one? Is she the and, that, and Hosea didn't have that problem. <laughs> God told Hosea exactly who to marry. And he says in the scriptures, Hosea, I want you to go and marry the adulterous woman, Gomer. And Hosea said, that wasn't God. <laughs> that was somebody else speaking there. No. Hosea, I want you to go and marry the adulteress, Gomer. You gotta ask yourself a question. Why would God do this? Because doesn't, we, we have this idea in our mind that um, God would, wouldn't do something like that. I mean, surely, God, you, you're making a mistake there. And Hosea goes and he, he, he goes and according to the tradition, he would have bought her. He would have paid a dowry. He would have paid a dowry to her father, and it would have been a dowry that would, and the dowry pretty much says, I value you. I value your daughter, and I want to marry her. And Father, I'm going to pay you this money because I want her for, for my wife. Hosea went and he married, he married Gomer. And you got to ask yourself a question what, what is God doing? Why, why did he do that? Is he using this man? Is he making a fool of him? Is he wasting the guy's life? And no, man, God is an amazing teacher. He is an illustrator. And what he is doing is he is illustrating on the canvas of this man's life what is going on in Israel. God's amazing like that. And so when God gives Hosea a message Hosea will know the message well because he's lived it. He's felt the same emotions that God has felt. You see, Hosea and Gomer represent something bigger than themselves. Gomer represents the, the, the nation of Israel. 
And God goes the whole way back in the book of Hosea and he says, remember Israel when I chose you and you were just a small little nation in the man in the beginning of Abram. Remember where Abram was? He was in Ur. A land of idolatry, a land of paganism and God says, I called you out just like Hosea called Gomer out. And God says, I've called you out and I've, made, I've given you a special name. You are my people. You are Israel. You're mine. You're set apart for me. And if you read through the whole history of Israel, you'll see that Israel had, it always had his eye on the neighbor. He was always looking at the neighbor and saying, can't we have a king like the neighbors? Samuel said, they've rejected me. And God says, no, they've rejected me. And um, Israel wanted idols like the neighbors, the calf, Moloch, moth. All of these idols, they wanted to be like the neighbors. And God considered all of this spiritual adultery. So he's going to tell the nation Israel through Hosea who you are, what's going to happen, and then I'm going to teach you of my love. Flip over to Hosea chapter 3. Um, a lot has happened in, uh, in these three chapters. Hosea has, well, Gomer has had three children. It's an interesting way that Scripture states how they were born. Um, you can flip back and forth with me. With me. Uh, Hosea 1.6 says, and she, and she conceived again and bore a daughter. Okay, let me back up. 1.3. So he went and took Gomer the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And that's the last time you're going to see that phrase. Because in 1.6 and 1.8, it just says that she had more children, which were given really interesting names. Um, there's something going on here. I think we find out later on in chapter 2 when God says, Israel, you have had children of adultery. These are not my children. These are children of adultery. And I believe we're starting to see that Gomer is being lured back to her ways. And she has found another lover. And it's not Hosea. She gave him, I believe, one child, but there's two others. And who's their dad? Well, we go to Hosea chapter 3, and um, the way that Scripture's written, it, God says, go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover. That phrase, who is loved by a lover, lover means who is loved by a friend who was loved by another husband. Really? It is very possible that the man that Gomer left Hosea for was a friend, was a neighbor, was, a, an, was another husband. Can you imagine if you were Hosea? God, first you'd but God, I obeyed you. I did the unthinkable I married somebody, he doesn't do that. The second thing, revenge. And he had 
by three different ways I found there was ways that he could get back. Numbers 5.13 was the law of jealousies. If he wanted to, if he even suspected that his wife was cheating on him, he could take his wife before the priest and say, I have a feeling that my wife has not been faithful to me. The priest would say, okay, we're going to, we're going to do what is called the law of jealousies. And the, and, the, and the woman would stand up before the priest and he would give, them, he would give her um, a bitter water. It was called the cursed water. And he would say, if you have been faithful and you proclaim before me and God that you have been faithful, you would drink this and you, you, nothing will happen. But if before the Lord and before the priest you lie and you say you have been faithful and you haven't been faithful, drink it. And may your thigh rot and may your belly swell. Pretty much it was a curse that if you lie before us, may you be barren and may you change shape, I guess. (laughs) And so she would drink the water and Hosea didn't do that. The second thing he could have done is Leviticus 18, he could have cut her off from among the people. Send her away, could have done that. Leviticus 20.10, he could have, if he knew that she had been unfaithful and he knew who he was, He's a neighbor, he might know. By law, he could have them both stoned. He could have done that. Proverbs says, beware of a jealous husband, for nothing will stop him. Though you pay him much, you can't stop him. But what does Hosea do? Man, I thought, I thought in my own heart, what would I do? Like the anger that I would have if if I was in his shoes, and then, you know what God, God's word said to me? Jesus said, if you've looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And I thought, man, that's me. I've done that. I better be careful. Jose is on a whole different platform than me. Let's read on. Why would God ask Hosea to do this? Once again, God is illustrating something about himself. I like how it says, go again, Hosea. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. Here's your key verse. Just like the love of the Lord. Go again, Hosea, to your wife, who is in sin, and you are going to illustrate something. The love of the Lord, just like the love of the Lord. That is an awesome verse. This is the kind of love that we need to be taught because it's not natural. Let's go back to Israel for a second because I don't want you to miss the context. This is about Israel. God is teaching something about Israel. How bad was Israel's thirst for sin? Well, Baal, Moth, the fertility god, the god of summer and drought, they had totally and physically given themselves to these gods in a sexual way to appease the gods so that they could have better crops. 
totally degraded themselves. You think of the, the golden calf for one instance. They've gone even further than that. The god of Moloch, the idol of Moloch, which was the, I believe it was the Ammonites and the Phoenician god, they had, Moloch was this huge idol, I think with brass arms. And they would put a fire under the arms, they would heat them arms up red hot, and then they'd put their children on them to appease Moloch. Had Israel done that? Yeah, they had adulterated themselves that far to that god. They had gone way far. God says, you've left me. You have, so, you, you have committed adultery again and again. You read the book of Hosea, and it will tell you how many ways that Israel had just totally left the, their faithful Lord. Their faithful, God even says, husband. That's what's going on. That's the big picture. There was a time when Elijah called all the Israelites before him and he says, choose ye this day whom you will follow. If Baal is God, serve Baal. If, God, if the Lord is God, serve him. And you know what the people did? They answered him not a word. Do you know why? They wanted both. Just like us. They, they, wanted, to, they wanted the fun of idol worship and the, the, the reward, and they wanted the blessing of God, and God says, no. I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous husband. You can't have both. Well, let's, um, let's consider Gomer's position. God says to Hosea, go to Gomer and display a love that is just like the love of the Lord. Let's learn. Um, in... Uh, 3-2, it says, so I bought her for myself. Oh, that's interesting. What does that mean? That gives you a little picture into how Gomer has been deceived. You see, Gomer thought she loved a man, which was a lie. She was loving herself, so she left her husband in loving herself, she left her husband to be with this lover. And you know what he did? He sold her. He degraded her. He used her. He pawned her out. And now she's on the block for sale. She's a cheap thing. Worth nothing. Used up, diseased, and deserted. She's nothing. Think of where she was. Man, she went from adulteress, a, a place of shame, to the prophet's wife. She went to having three children. To, who knows where her children are? They're not mentioned. She went to a place of beauty and respect to a place of shame. And I can just picture her there like just however she would have been on display. And she looks up and it's Hosea. Hosea is walking down towards her. And she's thinking, is he here to mock me? Is he here to claim any of those three laws that he could have? Why is he here? He's here to love you. And Hosea says, and so I bought her for myself. He bought her. And then he gives a payment for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half omers of barley. Do you know what that equates to? 
Well, if Joe had a bull and it ran over to my farm and it killed somebody at my place, Joe would owe me the, pla- the, the price of a life. He would owe me what it cost to replace a life. According to the law, it was an accident, Joe. No offense, but you still owe me. This is how much it was. One, um, ten, uh, 15 shekels of silver and one and a half omers of barley. This is a sacrificial price. It's high. This is not the price of a prostitute. This is a price of a life. Oh man, that's, that's interesting. Gomer, you see in Hosea chapter one, Gomer was the love of Hosea's choice. He chose her. <clears throat> in Hosea chapter three, now Gomer is the love of Hosea's sacrifice. Once he chose her out of love, now he is sacrificed. Okay, this is love. Now you're getting a picture of the kind of love that is like the Lord's. Hosea declares to his wife in 3.3, Gomer, you will be faithful to me. You will be faithful to me and you will be faithful to me me alone. I have sacrificed for you. I have bought you. I own you. You're mine. And Gomer, you will be faithful to me many days Gomer, I will be faithful to you too. You see, the big picture is that this is what God is going to do towards his people. They have gone far, and they are degraded, and they're nothing. They're they're, they're a laughingstock to the nations. They're used, used up. They go from captivity to captivity, and in 3.5, it says the latter days that God is not finished with his people. And the price for Israel will be paid in full. And you know, I looked at this passage pretty arrogantly for a while when I first read it. And I would think about Hosea and I was like, man, what a guy. Could I ever be like Hosea? Man, if I was Hosea, I don't know what I'd do. Here's the truth, guys. If you think that, you're missing it. You're not Hosea. You're Gomer. Okay, this, this passage, there's three layers to it. There is Hosea and Gomer, and they're real people. And this really happened. And they stood for, and God was teaching his people and teaching you about himself and Israel. But then it goes on. And it's what God is going to do to buy back his people. And he is going to pay a high price, the price of a life for his love. And that, uh, that, that is those who place their faith in Christ and are called his bride. That's you. Just like the love of the Lord, Hosea said. Does that sound familiar? You see, John would say it a little differently. He would say, in this is love. Go back to 1 John 4. Let's try to tie these two passages maybe together a little bit. 
Our key verse from Hosea was just like the love of the Lord. In 1 John 4, John says, in this is love. Not that we loved God. You see, this is kind of how we are like Gomer. Gomer's so far from Hosea. She is running from Hosea. Hosea's love was not based on Gomer. Gomer wanted sin and nothing else. But that God loved us, just like Hosea first loved Gomer. Have you ever asked yourself this question? You know, why, why God? I, I know my heart. You know my heart. You know my thoughts, my intentions. You know the words before they roll off my lips. You know my words before, while they're still in the thought process. Why, why would you ever display that love towards me? What is God's love motivated by? Because when, where were you, I was thinking, when God searched us out? Romans 8, 7, Colossians 1, 21, Romans 5, 10 says that we were en- enemies towards God, we were far from God, and we wanted nothing to do with God, just like Gomer. Let me ask you this question, and I want you to to think about this. This is important. What is Hosea's love motivated by? Let me say it again. What is Hosea's love motivated by? What made him love like this? And my first answer to myself was, wow, Hosea had a great love for a woman. No. Hosea had a great love towards a woman that was motivated by a great love for his God. You see, behind this whole picture, God said, Hosea, go love this woman. And Hosea said, I will show love towards her because God, I love you this much. You gotta get this. Hosea showed great love towards his wife because he had great love for his God. That's huge. If, if you want to learn how to love a person, you first have to learn, you first have to cultivate a great love for God. And then you can go and show great love towards a wife or a child or an enemy or a roommate or a friend. But it starts with that and then it flows towards that. Don't miss this. In this is the love of God is demonstrated. God showed love towards us. It's the same thing. God showed love towards us by sending his beloved son. Jesus Christ, the person of his affection, the pearl of the scriptures, his only begotten son. God so loved. And what is God's greatest object of affection? It's himself. There is no great, because God is the highest good. He is the greatest thing that there is to be loved. If, you, if God loved you the greatest, that would make you the greatest, and God is the greatest. And so he wants, and his love towards us is an over, it's like an overflowing and an outpouring of his love for himself displayed towards you. 
God showed love towards us by sending his beloved son. And do you know what that makes you? Well, the chapter, well, the, our passage starts with it and it ends with it. Beloved. You are beloved of God. Man, that's, that's amazing. That, that I'm loved this way this much, with that much passion. Guys, the cross is a passionate object of love. It's a passionate display of God's love for his son towards you and me. That is love, and this is love. Eternally, infinitely beloved. How do you know how do you, God, how do I know that you love me though? How do I know? How did Gomer know that she was loved? Hosea bought her. So I bought her for myself, or you could say it as John says it, and sent his son as the propitiation for our sins. God has paid for you. And he hasn't just shelled out some loose change. The, the appeasement, the price was his highest, was his best, was most valuable, most personal towards you. It was satisfactory for what? Towards you, but for what? For your sin, which is just like Gomer, has drawn you away, has enticed you, which has caused you to hate God. God pays the price and has brought you back back. You were created in the image of God and the cross buys you back to be like and to be loved by God. Love motivates to pay the highest personal price for the greatest good of another. What is the greatest good of you? Have you ever thought about that? What is my greatest good? It's a mago day. Your greatest good is to reflect and give glory to your creator, Jesus Christ. That's your greatest good. That is what God wants for you. He wants the best for you. He wants to love you so that you can be made, remade into the image so he pays the highest price for you, Imago Dei. And so, loved, and so love motivated God to purchase you from sin at the highest personal price he could pay, himself. And then John ends it like this. Beloved, beloved, beloved of God, if God so loved you, shouldn't you also love one another? Who has God put in your life? The end of your, of your notes there, I have two questions for you. One, who has God placed in my life to love? A roommate? A coworker? A girlfriend? A boyfriend? A husband? A wife? Children? That you should love? What is their greatest good? Their greatest good would be that they would be drawn to Christ and that would be like Christ. 
for your roommate, that, that this is gonna come at a personal cost. You wanna love like God, it's gonna cost you, okay? If you really wanna love a person and you want their greatest good, it will personally cost you. It may cost you your reputation. You may talk to your roommate, talk to your coworker, and, and they may think, what? Man, for James 5 says, he who turns the sinner from the error of his ways saves him from death and a multitude of sin. That's love. Who cares what they think of you? You have a girlfriend, boyfriend that you want to love. How are you gonna love them? What's their greatest good? Their greatest good is that they would be holy, that they would be set apart for Christ, that they would be like Christ. The personal cost is that you will obey God, you will put boundaries. If you love a person, you will protect them at your own expense. And the flesh says, I want to be pleased. And agape love says, no. I love them so much that I want them to be close to their creator. I want them to be like Jesus Christ. And so I will say, no way. Do you love like that? Because any other love is selfish love. Don't fool yourself, Gomer. That's just how it is. You're a husband. Man, read the Gospels. So many examples in the Gospels of Jesus Christ, how he loved his his soon-to-be bride to make her her bride. And Ephesians 5 says that you are to love the same way. Jesus Christ's bride is beautiful. He, she is presented spotless before him because of two things, the words of Christ and the actions of Christ. The words of Christ and the actions of Christ, the gospel. Those two things make a beautiful bride. Husband, you are to do the same thing. Your words and your actions beautify your wife and they present her and they, the washing of the word makes her more like Christ. That's your job. Husbands, moms, dads, loving your children. It, there's a lot of self-denial I am learning of how to love your kids. Man, two nights ago. And here's an example of why kids are selfish lovers. My kids love me. They do. They stare at pictures of me. It's really weird. Jack loves me. Rhett loves me. But you know what? Jack had a foot ache. It was bad. And he woke me up in the middle of the night. He didn't care what I thought. That's a selfish love. Dad, I need dad right now. My foot hurts. And you know what God has called me to do? Now, if I was a selfish lover, and sometimes I am, I'd Jack, go back to bed. I get up. I love my kids. Tuck them back in bed, and I get them ibuprofen and a rice sock. And when my kids show sin in their lives, I love them so much. I hate punishing my kids. I really do. But I know it's good. And I know it's an act of love. My flesh hates it. But man, I was telling Tanner, some of the times that I have with my children in teaching them how sin has separated you from daddy. And if you wanna remove that hurt, something must be done. And my kids say, yeah, I want that to be removed. 
and I punish them and we remove it and I forgive them and I love them. It's hard to agape love a a child. You gotta learn from God how to do that. I love kids. (laughs) What should you do in love so that all of these areas of life, all of these places, that they are moving in that direction of Godwardness, of Christ-likeness, here's what you do. You do whatever it takes. No matter the cost, do you know why? That's how you were loved, okay? You do that because that's what was shown to you. Now you go, you go love people. You go love your wife, your husband, your children, your future wife, husband, your roommates, whoever God's put in your life because God has first loved you. I'd like you to take a few minutes. I'm gonna ask the guys to come up who were gonna be leading us in worship, Andy, and um, to look down at those last two questions. And I'd like you to write some names down. And they're not gonna be hard to write down. You have to think about this. They're gonna be, it's gonna be real obvious. Who has God placed in my life to love? And then the second part, what personal sacrifices do I need to make so that they are more like Jesus? What's it gonna cost me? Because that's what I learned from God's love. He wants the greatest good for me, which is like to be like him and to be with him. And there was a cost. And it was a high cost. I'd like you to think about those two things. And then, um, hey, give us three minutes, fellas, who are leading in music. And then uh, go ahead and lead us in, in a couple songs to, as we reflect back and meditate on God's love. Thank you for listening to this message from Crosslife. Feel free to share this recording with others, but please do not charge for it or alter the contents in any way. For more recordings or other information about Grace Bible Church, visit gbcmt.org.